entire book. Going from chapter one to chapter 24. Just kidding. <clears throat> I've a bit mislabeled this. We're gonna, we're gonna go a little further than Caleb today. Um, So we're going to be throughout Joshua chapter 14, 15, 17, and 19 today uh, throughout our time together. I'm going to read just a portion out of the first section here from Joshua chapter 14. Um, and I'll pick up with, uh, with Caleb speaking to Joshua, Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these forty-five years since that time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day eighty-five years old. I am still strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakim were there, with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. And then Joshua blessed him and gave, him Hebron, to, uh, to, gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the Lord and the land had rest from war. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for um, the book of Joshua. We thank you for the many things that we've learned from it, and we just thank you for uh, the chance to look at these various inheritance stories and uh, just how, how you are faithful and you're good um, and just the testimony of these individuals as they've trusted you uh, throughout many years. And so, God, we just pray for this time that you would be with us as we proclaim your word, um, that you would be exalted and lifted up and uh, encourage our hearts this day to seek after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so... We are going to be kind of skipping through a, a lot of passages here, um, and I'll just be flat honest with you. I feel way less prepared this week than I normally do with my notes and things, so if I'm scattered, it's because I'm scattered. Um, so anyway, um, we started out this week deciding to study just about Caleb, and as I was looking at the story of Caleb's inheritance and trying to figure out and map out really the coming weeks for what we were going to be walking through and the different stories I wanted to pick up as we go through this kind of section of just like divvying out land. Like, again, there's like 10 chapters of just lists of cities and land and rivers and, you know, just reading this map uh, from the text without an actual visual. 
um, there are a couple of stories throughout that are interesting and like little inserts into the genealogy type listing of a map. Um, and, and they're important to pick out and say, okay, what do these stories tell us? And so one of them is Caleb. And I thought, okay, I'm going to focus just on Caleb and talk through his story. But um, as you look at the few that are picked out, there's actually some things to apply to ourselves as we look at the whole of, of, the, of the little stories that are kind of laced throughout this period of kind of allotting the, the land to the people. And, and so first we're going to look at Caleb. And what you might have heard me say over and over again as we read through this passage um, is that Caleb did what? Can anybody remind me what Caleb did? He wholly followed the Lord, right? Yeah, like three or four times it says, I wholly follow the Lord. I completely follow the Lord, totally. And to me, like, that's been one of the themes that I definitely wanted to hit as we've gone through Joshua because as we've gone through Joshua, what we have seen is that the call to Joshua and the people of Israel was to completely take over the land, to not leave little corners or crevices, but to totally take over. And we've seen how at some points they were, you know, not, did not fully, you know, complete that mission. And, and we talked about that last week. But God wants our whole heart. He wants the whole of us. He wants to give us all that he wants for us, right? And so, so we see this picture of Caleb who has been faithful from from leaving Egypt all the way to this point of wholly following the Lord. We've seen uh, lots of stories of how the Israelites as a whole have failed and how some people have followed and some people have not and, uh, and just the, the mash of people that, that the Israel really is, right? And Caleb is one that stands out as uh, a figure who from the day they left Egypt to the day they came into Israel, has been following God with his whole heart. You can hear him as he says, uh, you know, he re recalls this promise that God had said to him. He held on to this promise. For 45 years, he held on to this promise. That is a long time for, you know, to be like, all right, you're, you know, you were faithful. You didn't bring a bad report of the land when you spied it out. This is, you know, two people spied out the land and said it was good and we should go take it. The rest said, nah, let's just stay out here in the desert, right? Like, these are two, Joshua and Caleb, okay? And so Caleb, for 45 years, remembers this promise after he spied the land from the Lord and from Moses that, hey, when you go in the land, because you're the only one that's going to survive the wilderness, you're going to receive this land. And so as the allotment of territories begins, he comes before Joshua and says, Joshua, hey, I know it's been 45 years, but, you know, God promised me that I was going to get this land. And I have wholly followed him unto this day. And today I am just as strong as I was back then when I was 40, when I was, when I became a man, a man, 40. Um, I can't not say that reference in my head. Any, I think maybe Jason knows that reference, but I don't think anybody else knows. Anyway, uh, I almost shared this, but I didn't. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. You, you know, I'm a man, I'm 40. Anybody know this? Anyone? Okay, all right. It's a football one. I'm going to leave it out. I, I don't want to. Anyway, you guys should just search YouTube for I'm a man, I'm 40, and then, and then you'll know just a little bit of piece of my history and, and my, my, my culture, okay? Um, it's not very good representation. But anyway, um, so since he was 40, he had this promise, and for 45 years as they're, you know, like think about being Caleb through all this journey that we've been through, right? Like, first of all, you're one of the 12 that goes spy out the land. 
And the other 10 are like, yeah, that's a great land, but it's too hard. It's too hard to go in there, you know? We should just, like, stay out here. And you're like, yeah, like, what the heck? They made the hearts of the people melt with their report. When they went to Israel and said, hey, these people are too big. The, the Anakim are living there, and they're huge. Remember how big they are? It's like a whole bunch of Goliaths walking around all the time. It's like, we shouldn't go in there because it's going to be too hard. And Caleb's walking through that. And then they're walking through the wilderness and receiving manna every day, and they're, you know, sinning throughout the wilderness and not trusting the Lord, not trusting the leadership. The Lord's brought in all this stuff. And Caleb's going, you guys, like, how obvious is this that God is, like, working in our midst here? The, you know, the bread's coming from heaven. Does anybody else see this that's going on, you know? I think of Caleb as that person that has his eyes open to what God has been doing this whole time. He's been doing this marvelous work, and so, uh, so many times we've seen the picture of Israel not getting it, right? Caleb is the one that was getting it the whole time, from start to finish. And the cool thing about Caleb is that he's likely a proselyte to Judaism. From what we understand, his dad was Kenaz of the Kenizzites, and the Kenizzites are not Jews, they're Canaanites. They're from the land of Canaan, the land that is being destroyed for their sin and brokenness. Okay, so Caleb has a, is a descendant of this land, and he is trusting the Lord. Some, at some point down the line, okay, someone came and gave their life to the God of Israel, and Caleb is their son. Okay? And so he has now been grafted in to the people of Judah, and it's interesting, this section starts out by giving the land that's allotted to the tribe of Judah, which is, is a pretty important tribe. It's the tribe that Jesus comes from. It's the tribe of the kings, okay? And the first person that's talked about in the divvying up of the land of Judah is Caleb. So, anyway, it's a really cool story from that standpoint that Caleb, throughout this whole time, seeing the people of Israel falter in their faith and, and miss it over and over, um, he got it. He saw it and wholly followed the Lord. And now at 85 years old, he's ready to go kick some butt. You know, he's like ready to go to this city, Kiriath Arba, and take them down. He's like, yeah, uh, I, know that, uh, I know that Arba and the Anakim are probably still there, but it may be that the Lord is still with me and he shall drive them up just as he said. I mean, he's done everything else miraculously. Why can't I, some 85-year-old man, go in there and just take down this wall? He sees no obstacle here. Right? Like, you're looking at this story going, there's no way this 85-year-old guy is going to go tear down the walls of Kiriath Arba, where, like, the biggest giant is, and just take over. And he's like, yeah, I mean, like, did you guys see the water part? Like, twice? Like, did you see the walls fall down? Do you remember that? Like, do you remember how we threw the javelin and turned and, like, encamped over AI and destroyed? Do you guys remember this stuff? Like, yeah, I'm 85, but we could totally take them. And I'm going to lead the church. This is Caleb. And so Hebron becomes his inheritance. He wholly followed the Lord. And it says, again, in verses 13 to 15, the Lord gave Caleb Hebron and Kiriath Arba because he wholly followed the Lord. He just trusted him. <laughs> like, whatever circumstance came, Caleb was like, yeah, God's got this. It's not a problem. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, I don't care what happens. It's going to be good. Um, okay, so we have this story 
of Caleb. And then um, after that, there's kind of a weird story about Othniel, who is the nephew of Caleb, who comes and and defeats another city that is Caleb's, and, and him and his wife get some springs and stuff. It's a little bit kind of a weird story, but the point of it being in there is that Othniel then later becomes, this is kind of a side note to kind of what I'm talking about, but Othniel then becomes the first judge in the time of judges when the people of Israel are in the land and start following other gods, okay? So Othniel is the first one to stand up and say, yeah, this isn't right, and I'm going to save you from these people that are against you, but you need to turn back to the Lord and follow him, okay? So Othniel is the first of the judges, and he is Caleb's nephew, son-in-law, um, and that's an okay thing. That's a, just fine. Um, just don't worry about that part. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. <laughs> we would care about that today, but we don't, they didn't care about it then. It's good. It's fine. Cousins are, it's okay. Um, okay. So, so Caleb wholly follows the Lord, and the Lord gives him this land. Another interesting story comes up in chapter 17, verses 3 to 6, which is the story of the daughters of Zelophehad. Zelophehad. Um, and, you know, another story of inheritance here, verses 3 to 6. Now, Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, son of Gilead, son of Macher, son of Manasseh, had no sons, but only daughters. And these are the names of his daughters, Mela, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Terza. They, they're beautiful names if you're in the ancient Near East, I promise. Um, they approached Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun, and the leaders and said, the Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance along with our brothers. So according to the mouth of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among the brothers of their father. And thus there fell to Manasseh 10 portions besides the land of Gilead and Bashan, which is on the other side of the Jordan, because the daughters of Manasseh received an inheritance along with his sons. The land of Gilead was allotted to the rest of the people of Manasseh. Okay, so this is called out because in a special circumstance, the daughters here are receiving an inheritance because there were no sons to receive the inheritance of the land. So that's one of the reasons why it's called out. The interesting thing that I want to call out to us is that these daughters remembered the law, right? They knew. Okay, if, if there are no sons to inherit this land, we still get the land. That's been a promise to us. They remembered a promise of God, okay? So here's another story that, that Joshua was calling out. It's like, remember these daughters of Zelophehad? They remembered that God had promised them something years and years ago, and yeah, we're going to fulfill that and make good on this promise. Okay, so they bring to Joshua's attention the promise of God, and they receive this inheritance. <clears throat> The next story that we see is the one of uh, Joseph, and I'm sorry for the rapid pace, but I want to get to kind of looking at these as a whole. Um, Joseph is called out for seeking his inheritance, and it, that's in Joshua 17, verses 14 to 18, okay? And it says this, Then the people of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given me but one lot and one portion as an inheritance, although I am a numerous people, since all along the Lord has blessed me. Do you notice anything different about this interaction in you know, comparison to the last two? It, the tone here is, is totally different, right? 
He's saying, why have you given me just one lot? I'm supposed to, I should get more because I'm bigger. <laughs> Joshua's like, hey, like, uh, I'm not the one giving out lands here. Like, God is telling me what lands to give out. And so, like, I, you know, if you want to take it up with someone, you need to take it up with the Lord because he's the one that told me where to put the lands. So, you know. But Joseph, the people of Joseph, come to him and say, why haven't you given us, why have you only given us one lot? We're, we're a big people. God has blessed us. And he has. I mean, that's true. Like, go back to Joseph and his heritage in Egypt. Like, he's the one that, you know, brought them into Egypt. And, like, his, his line grew heavily. And, they, he, you know, he actually has Manasseh and Ephraim get inheritance and land. So, like, yeah, they are a big group of people. But uh, they're still asking for more than they have received. And they come to Joshua saying, hey, we're bigger. We need more. And Joshua's response is interesting. Verse 15, Joshua said to them, if you're a numerous people, go up by yourselves to the forest and clear the ground by yourselves in the land of the Perizzites and Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. <laughs> He's like, all right, you're a big boy. You know, if, if you need more land, go take it. But there is no indication there of like, oh, yeah, we're giving you this land, and the Lord is going to be with you in taking of this land. He's just saying, listen, if you think you're, you're big enough to do this, then go ahead. Take the land, that, take the extra land that you need. But, like, we're not with you. You're doing that because you're taking it in your strength. How different in comparison to Caleb is that story? So the people of Joseph said, the hill country is not enough for us, yet all the Canaanites who dwell on the plain have chariots of iron, both in Beth Shaheen and its villages and those in Valley of Jezreel. So they're turning back and saying, hey, this is going to be hard. Like, you know, we need more land. Like, you hear them, they're like calling for help immediately. And so Joshua said, says back to the house of Joseph, you are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one allotment only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it and possess it to its farthest borders. You shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and though they are strong. You hear the tables are a little different here than they were with Caleb. Caleb is going in faith and saying, God has given me this promise, and I'm going to receive this land. Even though I'm an 85-year-old man, we're going to go get it because God has given it to me. He has promised this to me. Whereas Joseph and his family are saying, we deserve that. We're bigger. See, we're blessed. Now come help us take down these chariots. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, if Caleb doesn't need any help taking down Arba, then you're sure not getting help with your big, numerous people. I mean, you hear him say that back to him. Since you're such a numerous people and great in power, go get it. I mean, you, you should hear a bit of sarcasm in Joshua's voice. I mean, you've told me that you're great and numerous, so, I mean, go get the land. No big deal, right? Since you're so powerful. All right, so that's Joseph in his, in his allotment. And then finally, the final one that's called out with a little bit of uh, commentary is Joshua at the end. This is also interesting because chapter 14 to 19 is the major allotment of land. It starts with Caleb receiving his land. I'm just going to point this out from a literary standpoint. It starts with Caleb receiving his land and ends with Joshua receiving his land. Okay, these are the two spies that were faithful to God in trusting the Lord that they could go get this land. And the giving of the land is incapped by Caleb and Joshua. 
God is saying something to us, right? Like, hey, these guys were faithful. From the beginning to the end, they trusted me. Caleb acts on a promise and says, hey, uh, you need to give me this land. Remember that, that God promised, you know, when we, when we came out as spies, he promised that we would receive this land. And so Joshua gives it to him. Joshua can't give himself land, interestingly, right? He's giving out the land. He doesn't give himself land. So chapter 19, verses 49 to 51 say this. When they'd finished distributing the several territories of the land as inheritances, the people of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. So Joshua distributes all the land to the tribes, and then Israel as a people turns back to Joshua and says, we now give you this land. And by the command of the Lord, they gave him the city that he had asked for, Timnath, Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, and he rebuilt the city and settled in it. These are the inheritances that Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the house of tribes of the people of Israel distributed by Lot at Shiloh before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So they finished dividing the land. So again, you see a little bit of variety in how people are receiving the inheritance that, uh, that was due to them or, uh, or that they wanted in, in, in Joseph's case. And, um, you know, I think the thing I want to take away from this and challenge us with is, like, think about which of these people you want to be, right? You want to be Caleb? You want to be a daughter of Zelophad? You want to be Joseph? You want to be Joshua, right? I don't want to be Joseph. I don't want to be a Joseph in the kingdom of God. I don't want to be here going, God, like, they got that land, and they're not as big as I am, so, like, you need to give me some more land, right? It's the me-focused. I deserve more in the kingdom of God than you have given me, God. Yikes. But we find ourselves there, don't we? We do. (laughs) We're like, God, this isn't fair. I mean, we've never, no one's ever, no one's said that. To, right? No one has said that, right? And no one's ever heard any kids say that for sure. I mean, kids never say, ever say that, right, Justin? They never say that. They never say this isn't fair. I've never heard a kid say this isn't fair. Have you, Chris? No? See, no one. It, life is just so fair, isn't it, guys? Kids, isn't life fair? It is so, what? What? Whoa. All right. All right. All right, Joseph. All right, all right. Joe, got, got Joseph over here. Um, <laughs> that's true. It's not. Well, in some ways, it's not fair. Uh, interesting. Interesting. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. It's the way you say it, right? It's the way you say it. All right. So it is true that life's not fair, right? Right? Is that true? Life's not fair, right? But am I gonna say? It's not fair, so God, give me more. Is that the basis on which I'm going to go to the Lord and say, God, this isn't fair. They got more. Uh, I need more, right? And so you don't want to be like Joseph in that and say, see, we're bigger. We deserve more. You want to be like the daughters of Zelophehad and remember the promises of God and say, God, hey, remember you told us that since there were no other sons, that in this special exception, you would give the inheritance to the daughters so that 
our great-great-great-grandfather would not be without land in Israel. How good is God's promise that, like, regardless of exception, he is going to give to the tribes of Israel what they deserve. Even if, like, the standards of the ancient Near East culture do not align for it, he says, yeah, in this case, we're going to give the inheritance to the daughters. There's no sons, give it to the daughters, split it up. The daughters of Zelph had come to the Lord and, and say, hey, this is, this is what? And remembering the promises and the laws of the Lord. It would be like Caleb, who, despite all the circumstances that are going on around him, he's seeing the same challenges that everyone else in the people of Israel is seeing, right? He's walking through the same kind of issues. He's seeing, you know, the water part and He's seeing the, uh, the judgment of the Lord come down in various times. He's seeing the manna come down. He's seeing the whole experience the exact same way as everyone else is. Yet the whole time, Caleb is looking at this with different eyes. He's ready for the water to part, right? He's like, all right, the Lord said the water's going to part. Let's go, you know, let's do this. The walls are going to fall down. Yeah, let's circle. Let's go around. How many times do we blow the trumpets, Lord? Like, just tell me how, how to jump, and I'll jump. Like, what do I need to do, Lord? This is Caleb. Man, I, I want to be like Caleb, right? He has no natural bloodline inheritance in the land. He is grafted in as a proselyte to this people, and he gets it completely. He wholly follows the Lord. And finally, to be Joshua to be in charge of all this distribution and, and, you know, inheriting it from Moses. And we talked about at the beginning of this book how hard it would be to step into the shoes of Moses, right? Like you fo- you're, you're going to follow up Moses. Okay, that's fun, <laughs> right? It, it's like whatever coach came after Phil Jackson with the Chicago, Chicago Bulls, right? Like who is that guy? I don't even know who he is. Like because how do you follow? Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, how do you follow that guy, right? Like you, it's very difficult to follow a great leader. And so Joshua comes in and follows this great leader, and God is faithful to him as he divvies up the land. He's not looking out for his own. He had the opportunity to look out for his own, but he doesn't, right? And at the end of it, he's done everything. He's distributed all the land out, and the people of Israel look back at him and go, hey, uh, we're going to give you land now. This, this land that you want from the Lord, we're, it's yours. We, none of us are going to take it. Whichever city you want, just take it. Here, and you, and you want Tiriath, uh, Tiriath Sarah, or Timnath Sarah. Yeah, okay, you can have it, right? Joshua led with such integrity that the people of Israel had no qualms turning back to him and going, yep, this is your city. Go take it, rebuild it, do whatever you want with it. We don't want it. I mean, you've got to rebuild that thing. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe it's a terrible city. Um, They give it to him. So our challenge today is to decide which of these that you want to be. Caleb or daughter of Zelophehad, definitely not Joseph, people people of Joseph, don't be them, uh, or or Joshua. And the big thing that, you know, I want us to take away is that the thing that we've seen throughout this book, right, is that God wants our whole heart. He wants the whole thing. He doesn't want a piece of it. He doesn't want just Sunday morning at 10.30, you know, or whatever. He doesn't want 
just, you know, that and Wednesday. Then one like the church activities, and that's all you're giving to God. He wants the whole thing. He wants your vocation. He wants your friendships. He wants your family. He wants uh, your house. He wants your job. Like, he wants the whole thing. He wants to say, you know what? I give you all my life. He doesn't want 10%. He wants 100%, right? We think about all these religious rules and things we check off, and we think, okay, if I just do these things, then I've been faithful, and, and it's all good. And it's just the wrong perspective. He's not trying to, like, force you to do weird things or, you know, forsake your, like, who he's made you to be. But he wants you to recognize what he has given you and to give it back to him completely. He said, God, take my life. Whatever you want to do with it, do with it. Right? You're an accountant, a musician, watchmaker, homemaker, you know, like, whatever it is that God has given you. He wants to redeem it, that you could worship him in every aspect of your life, wholly seeing the Lord's work going on in your life at all times. Not just seeing the Lord show up, okay, on Sunday morning we had a really great worship time, and the word was really good, and prayer was really encouraging, and now i got to go trudge back through life, and it's going to be terrible. No, he, he wants you to go back into this world and be like, ready to see it as something God has gifted to you. And something that, that he can use for his glory. That's a hard thing. Uh, I recognize that's a hard thing to say. Or that's an easy thing to say. And it's a very hard thing to do. Um, but I think it is what we need to say. Uh, that, uh, that I need to say to myself. And, and that I need to say to you. That your whole life is the Lord's. Okay? And it's full of tons of problems. I guarantee Anybody had problems this week? Yeah, we got, we got problems this week, and we're going to have problems this next week. But are we giving those things to the Lord, or are we just trying to, you know, figure them out ourselves? Let's be like Caleb and give the whole thing to him. The circumstances that come our way, the blessings that come our way, let's have great faith that even at 85, we're going to go take that hill. That character of the Lord has not changed from the beginning of the book to the end. He is after your whole heart. He is so much after your heart that he sent his son to die. That's how much he's after your heart and after mine. And we cannot understand how infinite that love is. But that's how much he wants you and he wants me. He'd give up his son for you, that you could be in relationship with him, that you would turn around and worship him with your life. That's his desire. Yeah, we, we're unworthy. <laughs> we're, we're inadequate. We're insufficient. We're unworthy. But you, you've called us worthy. You've restored us to a relationship with you through the blood of your son. So God, I pray that whatever we're facing this week, whatever challenges we're processing from the last week, God, it's so, um, it's hard. It's hard to walk through this life, and you know that. 
it's hard to deal with new problems when you haven't solved the old problems. <laughs> and it seems like they just keep rolling, right? And God, you know that because you walked through that. Your son walked this earth and went through the same temptations and struggles and, and toils that we go through. And yet as a great high priest, he was without sin and gave his life as a ransom for us. So God, I pray that um, this week we would go forward like Caleb, completely devoted to you. Every task, every project, every challenge, every prayer, every opportunity, every conversation, every pleasure, God, that we would worship you in it all, that we thank you for it all, that we could see life as, as Caleb saw his journey from Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land as the mighty hand of God moving powerfully through an unworthy people to give them all that they could ever need, that they would know him as their father in heaven. It's got to help us face this week completely devoted to you, remembering your promises, seeking nothing for ourselves, but giving it all up for those around us, that you might be lifted up, that you might be exalted, that more might come to know you as their Savior. Pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to move into a time of prayer now, and we're praying for 